I mean, you can't release seven very good albums without having some influence somewhere. Like, even if it wasn't musically, like, the personal influence that a lot of those songs had on my life, like, some of the decisions I've made and, like, situations I've been in are because of, like, the way that I was brought up with music. You know what I mean? You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. I'm Kyle Hawk. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Very excited uh, on this uh, Sunday, September evening. Just uh, busted out the grill for maybe the final time this summer. Uh, Fall is on the way. And, you know, I I think maybe even recently we've talked about fall music on this podcast. And uh, there are certain bands that come to mind when the the autumn season rolls around. And and one of those bands is uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Top five band for me, Anne Berlin, who uh, parted ways with us a few years ago. Um, But we're going to be talking about them tonight. And the reason for which is because uh, Nadia Paiva, who writes for us at It's All Dead, is a big Anne Berlin fan, and where you know, if you listen to this podcast regularly and come to the site, you obviously know Kyle Schultz. Uh, I, I think he is fine with Anne Berlin, he just doesn't listen to him a ton. So, I've always been wanting to do an Anne Berlin podcast, and now we finally can't because I think Nadia is as much of a uh, Anne Berlin fan as I am. So, uh, looking forward to that conversation. But first, before we get into anything, Nadia, welcome. Thank you for joining. How you doing? Not too bad. How was your weekend? Uh, pretty good, pretty busy. Yeah, you've started a new job, getting ready for a wedding, lots yeah. of things in your life, and yet you still carved out time to talk about Anne Berlin. That's well, kind of cool. It's Anne Berlin. Yeah. So I remember uh, from early in our conversations learning that you were a fan of Anne Berlin. And uh, I, I think I, you know, just kind of it was a passing remark and I didn't think too much about it. And uh, then earlier this year, we were putting together the list of like all the albums turning 10 this year to figure out, you know, which ones we want to write about. And I know you you quickly called for New Surrender, which surprised me uh, because I, I think amongst most Anne Berlin fans, that's not like the, the most popular album. Um, but I, I knew you were excited about it. And that kind of got me thinking about like we should be talking about Anne Berlin. Um, and we're going to talk about New Surrender. We're going to talk about uh, just kind of the, the, the band's albums and their legacy but before we get into all that, tell me how you became a, a fan of Anne Berlin. So some of this will be highlighted in the piece that I eventually write. Um, but I listened to this Ohio radio station called Radio U. Check it out. It's an internet station, actually, where I am. Yeah. But it's great. It's a great radio station. Listen to it st- like seriously every day still. And they did a cover. I forget what year it was, but they did a cover of New Order's True Faith. Yep. And released it as a single. I don't know if it was for radio, but be, being an internet radio, they can bas- basically play whatever they want. So they played that song on their, in their rotation, and I was obsessed with it. So that's kind of how I got into Amberlynn, was basically just that first song. It's not even theirs, which is weird, but um, yeah, still. Very so what was it about that song that caught your attention? Were you a, a fan of New Order, or like you just heard it and thought, this is good? Yeah, ex- the second one. I don't even listen to New Order now. Like, still don't care about them. But um, well, you should. Was, I but I, was, I uh, <laughs> carry yeah, on. Like, I really have no idea who they are. Um, never even listened to the original uh, recording of that song, to be honest. But 
there was something about that guitar riff that they chose. I don't know if that's in the song originally and they just you know, kept it in their recording or not. I don't know. But I just thought it was like interesting. I was 13. So everything was new and exciting at that point, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's a very cool story. And I was not expecting that at all. Um, a couple things. So one, you're right. That's a fantastic cover. And Anne Berlin's done uh, many a cover song. They've covered the cure. They've covered Depeche mode, new order. Um, that, might be my favorite cover that they've done as well. Um, but it's not one that I feel like most people know about. I think no, they it's not even like, on Spotify. Yeah. I think they put it on like the re-release of New Surrender or something. What's or weird is actually today I was doing some stuff, um, like cleaning up around my house and stuff. And I had Amberlynn on shuffle just to try to prepare for tonight and remember some stuff that I hadn't listened to in a while. And that song popped up and I said to my fiance, his name's Jeremiah. I was like, Jeremiah. True Faith is on Spotify. I couldn't find it. And then I noticed that if I had hit if I hit the reverse button on Spotify, the album art came up in the name, but it didn't play. So I think if they did do that on a re-release, Spotify doesn't have that re-release. Yeah. So, well, yeah. great track. Very cool story. Yeah. Uh, even crazier is that I do know what Radio U is. When I uh, was coming out of college as a radio DJ, actually applied to be a DJ there. I sent them a bag of Skittles in the mail with my resume and my uh, sound check. And because uh, I, I heard it was a good idea to send candy. It is. <laughs> anyway, I never ended up working there, but um, it was a, a, a dream for a, a short second. Okay, so that's a really fascinating, interesting story. And for like as many entryways as there are into Anne Berlin, that is uh, certainly a very unique one. Mine, I was uh, down in Oklahoma City when I was in college uh, with a friend of mine. We were actually roommates at the time, and he was uh, in a band uh, with a couple of his brothers, and um, we hung out a lot, but I was very impressionable musically back then, pretty much anything that, and his name is Mitch. I think I've uh, talked about him on the podcast before because he introduced me to Yellow Card as well, but uh, we were on this trip. And we were in a uh, a store looking at CDs and I saw this in Berlin thing and he pointed out, I was like, oh yeah, my brother and I have been listening to that. And I was like, okay, I'm buying it. Like immediately without ever having heard of the band, uh, I took his word for it, bought the CD and uh, Blueprints for the Black Market had come out earlier that summer. That was in the fall. And I became obsessed with that CD. It was it was a very, very big part of my life uh, through pretty much a whole semester of college. And then when uh, Never Take Friendship Personal came out the next year, I, I raced out the day it came out to buy it. And I was pretty much in on the band ever since. And I've seen Anne Berlin live, I want to say more than I've seen any other band. I've seen them eight times live. Uh, the first time uh, is still one of my favorite times uh, of seeing them. I saw them uh, right after Never Take Friendship Personal came out. They were uh, playing with Seosin and Acceptance. It was one of uh, one of the best shows I've ever been to. But Anne Berlin has, has, was really a, a staple of my life for well over a decade. Um, and I love, this is one, you know, we, we do these album ranking things and we've done them for all different kinds of bands. Anne Berlin is, Anne Berlin is one where I can truly say that I enjoy every single album. Like the, the one that I will rank in seventh place does, is not an album I dislike. So um, in terms of like your overall love of their music, Nadia, like, is it the same way for you or are there certain like albums that you find yourself going to more often than others? No, it's literally the same way. So I, what, um, you were talking, you were talking about how, 
how much you love Amberlynn. And you were like, I think Nadia likes Amberlynn just as much as I do. I think I like them more. Wow. That's like, a bold statement. Um, there's a possibility for that. So, and what was it that, I mean, obviously like the cover of True Faith kind of brought you in, but what was it that kind of sustained that? What was it about the band that uh, made you as big of a fan as you are? I honestly don't know. I think, I think it's like you were saying you were impressionable and you found blueprints. Like, I think at 13, I was trying to come into my own personality musically and they like Amberlynn, Paramore, like those were the bands that kind of popped up first. And so I was like, sure, I'll take that. And I just yeah. happened to pick really good first bands. Um, yeah. To be honest, I think that's kind of what happened, but uh, I actually have only seen them once. So I guess in that you've got me beat, I saw them on their, their Boston stop of their final tour. So like literally the last time I could have seen Amberlynn, I did. That's fantastic. Yeah. What do you remember about that show? Not much because it was like such a weird, like I was weirdly emotional. So it was the first concert. It was at house of blues. And I can remember my dad dropping me and a friend off outside of house of blues. And I had my paper tickets in my hand. It was the first show I'd ever been to without like wow. an adult. Yeah. And we were way, way up in the balcony. I got the tickets like last minute. And so I didn't, it's not even like I could see that much, but it's just like the fact of being in that room was like so important to me that I knew I had to be there. And so it didn't matter what I remembered because like, I just still get to say I was there, you know? Yeah. That's but awesome. I actually, I have the set list. Uh, I made a Spotify playlist of the set list. So I do remember what they played. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Uh, or is there a song that sticks out to you from the set list? Well, actually, so they had just released their last album that earlier that I forget what, what month they released um, that album in. Yeah, I do too. Lowborn, I, I forget. I it was 2014, but I can't remember the month. But they played that the last song from Cities, Fiend. But at the end, um, he started singing like that last part of Harbinger, which is the last track on Lowborn. And it was like... Yeah. I know it was the only time, like the first time and the only time I was ever going to see them, but I was so emotional for that, like live experience. Like, I just, I don't know. There's something about that being the, the first and the last time that I could see Amberlynn that like, I don't know. It doesn't yeah. matter what they played. They could have played the phone book and I would have been fine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they, uh, apparently Lowborn came out in July, which is interesting okay, to me because it does not feel like a summer album. No, me, it's not but... a summer album. But yeah, we'll we'll dig into that a, a little yeah, bit. I was going to say, I got it the day it came out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, looking back, I want to say from Never Take Friendship Personal on, I bought every album of theirs the, the day it came out. And we have not, usually like when Kyle and I go into these kinds of podcasts, I have a general idea of like how he's going to rank things. I mean, I am surprised sometimes, but going into this, I literally have no idea how you're going to rank anything. And the reason I say that, uh, well, one, we haven't talked about it, but two, you were so excited to write about New Surrender that I was blown away uh, because I'll, I'll you know, give you a sneak preview. New Surrender does not rank well <laughs> on my rankings. Um, but but why, why was that such an important album for you to like want to be able to write and, and talk about? Well, I think, I think New Surrender, if you look at, I know this is like, I'm going to come back to this, but if you look at the album art of the single for True Faith, it is from the New Surrender era. So right. that was like my first album that I really listened to, that one in Cities. Um, so like 2007 on is when I got into Amberlynn. 
not even their first couple. Um, so I think that's probably why New Surrender sticks out to me. There are a lot of tracks on there that uh, are really like emotionally special. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think they don't really do on other albums. Yeah, well, you know, and, and New Surrender is such a fascinating album because they got signed to Universal Republic, a major right. label, right after Cities came out. And for fans of the band at the time, it was interesting. One, it was exciting to think that Amberlynn was going to be on a major label. Two, it was kind of a bummer because it took away from kind of the album cycle of Cities. That album didn't, even though I, I think it's a lot of people argue it as, as the best Anne Berlin album, didn't get a lot of time in the spotlight because they transitioned so quickly to writing their major label debut. And then finally, and, and most obviously, I think for a lot of fans, is that the first single from New Surrender was a re-recording of a song from Never Take Friendship right. Personal, which everybody was kind of scratching their heads of like, why are they re-recording that? And lo and behold, it ends up becoming one of the, the biggest, well, not even one of, the biggest single the band ever had. Right. I believe it still holds the record for most consecutive weeks on the uh, top 40 Billboard rock chart. Um, it's it's almost like a story beyond belief, but the fact that it happened that way kind of sustained the band to be able to keep recording albums from there because it was so popular and kind of took them to a whole nother level. Yeah, I agree. So uh, let's go ahead and I guess kind of jump into the album rankings. Um, we will, usually how we do this, we'll kind of like go in descending order to ascending with like some quick commentary on why we ranked things where we did. Um, so why don't you, uh, go ahead and go first and just give us your seven to one ranking. And, and by the way, because you texted me to ask me about this, we are only ranking the seven studio albums. Uh, you'd asked me about lost songs, which is actually a fantastic collection of B sides and cover songs. Uh, it, it, it would almost be funny to rank that because like lost songs on its own is like still better than a lot of like bands, actual albums, even That's though it's thing. like, it's songs that didn't make the cut for albums. Um, but yeah, a, a great collection. But for this purpose, we're only ranking the seven studio albums. So I will hand it over to you and uh, take it away. All right. Let me just open up my phone here. I've got it in notes. Jeremiah and I drove around um, our neighborhood for about an hour the other night because I said, Jeremiah, I have to rank Amberlynn's albums. Will you help me? And so he graciously did assist me in that. And we drove through my hometown and we listened to Amberlynn for like an hour and a half. Nice. So here goes. Seven is Blueprints for the Black Market. Only oh. because I don't know it as well as the other ones. Sure. Um, there's a lot of my favorite tracks by Amberlynn are in that album. Like I love Cadence specifically. Yeah. Um, but as a whole, I just don't know that album as well. Um, six is Vital. Kind of for the same reason. Uh, it's a long album. Uh for me, like, I just, it takes me a long time to get through. I know it's not sure. that long, but emotionally it takes me a long time to, like, sit down and listen to it. Um, but again, kind of same thing with Blueprints. It has some great tracks. It just, as a whole, I don't really derive too much meaning from it. Although, yeah. that one was actually one of the ones I reviewed when I had my own out, uh, site. That was, okay. that was the first Amberlynn album that came out during that time. Um, and my Google Plus... <laughs> still have my Google plus is active. Um, if you want to try to find me, please don't <laughs> the background header, like the big wide photo is actually like the release poster of that album still to this day. Wow. Vital by Amberlynn. Very cool. 
Uh, five is never take friendship personal. Um, okay. Four is dark is the way, light is a place, criminally underrated. Uh, I agree. Love that album so much. And three is new surrender for the same reason, criminally underrated. But number two is a lowborn. Um, there's something about being present for that entire album cycle. Like, in a way that I wasn't for Vital. Like, I was excited for it, but I was still in that space where my parents were kind of into controlling the whole, like, media thing that I was into, making sure I wasn't going too, you know, far outside mm. the lines, okay. which was fine for the time. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't really get into Vital as much as I wanted to, but I was there for the entirety of Lowborn. And so that's become one of my favorite Amberlynn albums. I know it's very um, unorthodox for them entirely. Yeah. It's like a very strange album for them to record, but I love it. And naturally, number one is Cities. Yeah. Just okay. cohesive in every sense of the word, like literally the best, one of the best pieces of recorded music I've ever listened to still. So it's interesting because Cities came out before you kind of got into the band. So take us back to like what it was about Cities that kind of brought that to the top of your list. So cities, let me think about the singles for cities. So it was unwinding cable car or at least songs that I would have listened to. One of my friends in high school was into Amberlynn and she gave me, she like got me into cities. Um, she sent me a couple like tracks and she was like, you got to listen to this. Uh, and that was, let me think it was hello alone, um, Adelaide and unwinding cable car. Okay. And so based on those three tracks, I got really obsessed with that album. But just as a whole, like the album is just completely, it's perfectly put together. They put so much thought into that album. It's actually ridiculous. Um, it's just such yeah. a well thought out piece of work that you can't even deny that it's their best. Yeah. So fascinating to to hear your list. I I I was when you mentioned Lowborn at number two. I was well as we were getting closer to the top, and you hadn't mentioned Lowborn yet. I was like, whoa, this is going to be interesting. Uh, but it does make a lot of sense since that would have been an, an album cycle that you were very much a part of. Um, but yeah, very unorthodox album for their for yeah. them. Um, I'll uh, go ahead and jump into my rankings here. Uh, number seven is New Surrender. And I'm not, you know, it, it makes it feel like I'm a New Surrender hater. Like I know some people are. I'm definitely not. Um, there's a lot of things I enjoy about the album. Uh, I did come around to the re-recording of Feel Good Drag and now do believe that it's it's better than the original, even though I love the original. Uh, Breaking is a great song. There's some good songs on it, but there's just so much filler and to me, other Anne Berlin albums just don't have that. They don't have filler tracks like New Surrender does. And, you know, hearing the band talk about the kind of pressure that they felt they were under, Stephen Christian in particular, uh, with that album um, and how none of them were really happy with the the final product of it, I, I think it does kind of stand to reason that it's it, it's hard to consider it as, as one of the best Anne Berlin albums. Number six is Lowborn for me. And really, you could replay, interchange New Surrender and Lowborn. I listen to both these albums. They're in Berlin. I love them. Uh, Lowborn is interesting because like parts and songs were written like by the members separately from each other. So uh, it really lacks the continuity of some of their other albums just because of that. But it does have a lot of really well done uh, kind of 80s influence. I mentioned, you know, bands like New Order, Depeche Mode clearly were influential for this band. And you can feel those influences across the 
uh, across Lowborn. So, um, and there are a lot of really good songs there. So um, certainly a, an album I enjoy listening to, but that one I a little bit, I kind of like pick and choose as opposed to listening front to back. Uh, number five is Blueprints for the Black Market. It's higher on my list than I think it is for a lot of people, but that's just because I think of how important that album was for me at a, a certain time in my life. Blueprints for the Black Market is a, a, a seminal autumn album for me. Like the the minute the you know the air becomes crisp and the the leaves start turning, Blueprints is an album I I, I run to, and I I can listen to that album front to back repeatedly i just I, I still love everything about it and certainly it's not as good as where the band would end up going but it kind of lays the groundwork or the the blueprints if you will uh, for later on Anne berlin albums uh number four is never take friendship personal uh, a lot of people really love this and i've seen a lot of people rank this you know as their their favorite or second favorite Anne berlin album and certainly I, I think there's justification for that uh, for me, it's it was definitely a growth from Blueprints, and there's a lot of really fun songs on it. It's kind of a, a poppy uh, album, and uh, it's a lot of fun and a, lo- a lot of great songs in there. Actually, my favorite Anne Berlin song is on that album, which we'll get to some of our favorite songs a little bit later. Uh, number three is Vital. I, I There are days where you can argue any of my top three albums into being the best Anne Berlin album. Uh, Vital is in that conversation for me. It's the best. It's one of the, I think it's their heaviest album probably. Uh, just yeah, in terms of, uh, the guitars and, and the way everything is put together. It's a very aggressive album and there's some fantastic songs and it, it may even be the most, well, that's hard to say. I won't say that. Maybe the second most cohesive of any Anne Berlin album. Uh, number two is Dark as the Way, Light as a Place. Um, I have a, a special attachment for that album and I, I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly, but um, I was going through a pretty rough period in my life uh, when that album came out. Um, it's actually in the in the early stages of a divorce, and I that album hit me pretty hard and still holds a lot of emotional weight for me. I wrote a letter to Stephen Christian actually when that album came out, like kind of expressing my gratitude and sharing some thoughts with me, like no expectation that anything would happen, and he wrote me a letter back that was. Uh, something I still hold dear, extremely encouraging. Um, so I, I realize in sharing this, I'm kind of showing my bias for this particular album, um, but certainly it holds a lot of meaning to me. And I think it's fantastic that they step so far outside of what they would normally do. This is the most different in Berlin album, I believe. And um, yeah, it's, I, and I think I've even heard Stephen Christian refer to it as their, uh, their punk album and it's certainly not punk but it's a deviation from what the the Anne Berlin formula was up until that point so uh, and then finally cities you kind of said it all uh it's uh, I, th- I think this is kind of the consensus number one Anne Berlin album and an album that I still feel like is wildly underappreciated still um i know people that love the band love it and a lot of people in the scene are aware of how great that album was but certainly for as big as Anne berlin got after new surrender and feel good drag cities could have been even bigger um it's it's cohesive it is a beautiful kind of front-to-back story um just kind of, of examining our our lives and community um and the pain and the, and the struggle of that i think they capture all of that just brilliantly and I, I don't listen to this one as much as some of the others because it's almost like harder for me to listen to. I have to sit down and engage with it from start to finish. And, uh, and doing so for me is, 
it's I don't want to call it a chore, but it's certainly something I have to set aside time to like process through it. I don't know if it's like that for you when you listen to to cities. It is. I'm at the point now where I can kind of throw my Amberlynn playlist on shuffle and just kind of take it as it comes. But there are times when I love to sit down with cities and like, like I actually, when I used to have an office job and I could use headphones and there were days that I would just devote to like certain bands because I knew I needed to get back into them. Uh, if you saw my weird um, killers thread on Twitter, where I listened <laughs> to all of the, the killers albums back yeah. to front, that was a, a week like that. Um, but I did that often with Amberlynn and I did that often with cities, um, which is why I think I feel like such an attachment to it. I know it's so personally like i know it's just music but i know it so personally that like right down to background vocals like literally it's i'm I'm obsessed with the album still even to this day like 11 years later yeah me as well and a while back i had this idea i've i've i own every anne album except for new surrender on vinyl and i had this idea that i was going to listen to all of them in order not in one day but over time over a period of time i would listen to each album in consecutive order of when they released it. And when it, I, you know, I got through blueprints and friendship pretty quickly. And then it took me forever to get to cities because I kept putting it off. Cause I knew what I was going to have to invest to sit down and, and, uh, and go through it. But it certainly is, is beautiful. And I think that's what makes it such a great album. Yeah. Um, one of the things we didn't talk about before doing this is that I generally rank these of like, best like the number one is the best album of the band but that doesn't always mean that it's my favorite and that's the case with Anne Berlin Cities is their best album and it's not my favorite Anne Berlin album for that I would either go with Blueprints for the Black Market or Dark as the Way Light is a Place just in terms of albums that I really love and enjoy and I just have a lot of personal meaning to me uh is it like that for you when you do these sorts of lists of like trying to figure out like what does it mean for something to be like the best album by Anne Berlin versus like, well, this is the one that like means the most to me. Well, I kind of take the, if we're going to, if we're going to think about this, like when I, when you email me and you say, Hey, want to do a podcast? And you ask me to like rank a band's albums or whatever. I have to think about, all right, is this going to be like a personal ranking or a stylistic ranking? And I have to like take the band and then take you, what I know of you as a person and like decide so I did kind of go a little bit on the emotional side with this one. So I would actually say my favorites are Cities and Dark is the Way Lightest Place. Yeah, that makes Definitely. sense. Um, and th- this is, I mean, I already kind of mentioned a lot of my personal attachment with this band and a lot of investment I have in them. So that's, it's it's hard to kind of separate all that out. But like when I talk about Dark is the Way, Light is a Place, you know, there's songs like Art of War that I, you know, I have to be uh, pretty ready to listen to that song because mm-hmm. it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit me hard. Um, so that kind of adds another element when you're as invested in a, a band's music as I think obviously both of us are with Anne Berlin. Um, so I wanted to have us talk about some of our favorite songs. And it, in the past, we've like ranked songs one to ten. And that felt like too much for me. Like I was like, I, I don't even know how to begin with that. But then while I was outside waiting for the grill to heat up tonight i ended up i did go ahead and rank them so i don't know if it's worth going through rankings but um maybe we can at least kind of list off a few because i fought hard with myself and i did pick 10 but i do have honorable mentions perfect well let's go let's start with the 10 run through your 10 songs okay we'll go through 10 all right 10 up or one down uh 10 up all right so 10 is modern age from vital yes um it took me a while to get into that album, like I said, 
But as soon as I heard that song, like that's what sold the album for me. There's something about that song that just, I, I don't know what it is. It gets me literally every time. Um, nine is time and confusion from never take friendship personal. Uh, that reminds me of me and my fiance. Um, yeah. Because actually we bonded pretty heavily over Amberlynn too. Um, so I think that's another reason, actually, I didn't even mention this. I think that's another reason why I'm so like into this band is because it was such an integral part of the relationship that I'm like literally building a marriage on. Right. Um, like we that's... spent hours talking about Amberlynn just in general. Yeah. That's over awesome. the three years that we dated, like literally the both of us have the same amount of obsession. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, so eight is symphony of blase. Okay. Seven is paper thin hymn. Those are both from Never Take Friendship Personal, which, wow, speaking of, for Never Take Friendship Personal being my fifth album, I have several songs from it. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Um, sorry. Um, Dismantle Repair from Cities, number six. Yep. Uh, Fiend from Cities is five. Okay. You Belong Here from Dark is the Way, Light is a Place is number four. And fun story, um, at the end of our wedding ceremony, when we are walking back down the aisle as married folks, we will be playing You Belong Here. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. So I'm super excited about that. Um, three is Atonement from Lowborn. Okay. Two is Breaking from New Surrender. And one is Unwinding Cable Car from CDs. Okay, very cool. Yeah. That is a good list. And we actually have quite a bit of crossover, um, or more than you would expect for a band with seven albums. A lot of know, the same exactly. songs ended up on both it was of our so lists. Difficult. What were a few of the honorable mentions you had? Um, actually, so I do have the first, the first. On my the first sentence on my honorable mentions list is every other song they've ever recorded. <laughs> right. Because like literally it seriously is. Um but I have let's see, there's Smith's cover. Uh the cover of There is a Light That Never Goes Out is still one of my favorites. Mm. Uh, I love Sedemia from Cities. Yes. Height Street, Pray Tell, Uncanny. Mm-hmm. Christmas Baby, please come home. You know it had to be there. <laughs> you know it had to be there. Oh man. Um, Burnout Brighter, awesome. A Day Late, Cadence, Foreign Language, and The Haunting. Okay. Very so cool. Mentions. Yeah, it's a great list. That, the Baby Please Come Home cover is so funny because I listen to that every year around Christmas. Um, I actually listened to it when we were in the driveway from the other night, and I was like, Jeremiah, <laughs> we have to listen to the Christmas song. I know it's September. That's perfect. And it. it made me feel happy. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, I will run through mine here. I, I was able to narrow the list down to 13, and the three that didn't make the top 10 cut were Type 3, Armageddon, and Stranger Ways. I um, love all three of those. Yeah. Um, and the last two are the only two from Low, Lowborn, I think, is the only album, or, yeah, not represented on my top 10 songs list. And it does have some really good songs. It's just hard to... It's hard to crack the top 10 of Anne Berlin for me. So um, that's where that's at. I will say there there are some Anne Berlin clunkers, in my opinion. Uh, the Mathematics of Love and Loss or whatever track six is on Cities, I skip almost every time. Um, trying to think. There's a few on New Surrender. So so there's some, there's some where, you know, Anne Berlin didn't bring their A game. But um, by and large, you are right. Like most albums are, are filled with really great songs. So number 10 is The Undeveloped Story from Blueprints for the Black Market. Um, That is a song that I hear people not talk about really ever. (laughs) Um, But for me, it's, I don't know, it's, it it really reminds me of that time again, going back to college when I was kind of falling in love with this band. And I, I feel like that song was, I don't know, 
just when I listen to it, there, there's some lines in there that I feel like are just better than a band should have on their first album. Like, uh, looking back on darker days, getting me down. And if this is chaos, I think that I'm in love with clamor. That is a line that is very, uh, it's a very emo line. And it is a song that I, uh, would make me tear up when I <laughs> used to walk in the snow back to my <laughs> dorm room when I was in college. Um, but yeah, great song. Uh, number nine is the runaways, just a fun pop song from never take friendship personal. Number eight is the haunting. I've argued before that the haunting is a B side that didn't make cities, Haunt, the haunting is a better song than most bands can write and it wasn't good enough to make an Anne Berlin album like that that should tell you how incredible this band is the vocals on that song are literally insane god it's so good uh number seven modern age you mentioned earlier i think it's the best track on vital love that song number six is feel good drag and that's the new surrender version uh at, at the time the feel good drag was my favorite song from uh never take friendship personal and I wasn't crazy about a, a re-recording of that, but I ended up liking it more as time went on. Funny story, when I mentioned that I saw Anne Berlin for the first time and they were on tour for Never Take Friendship Personal, I was so excited to hear them play the Feel Good Drag, and they didn't play it. So then, like, a couple years later, when they're releasing it as the lead single, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, <laughs> anyway, I always thought that was strange that it didn't really seem to be a thing until later on for the band. Uh, number five is Art of War. It's my favorite song from Dark Is The Way. I mentioned it earlier. It's a very, that song uh, is, has a, holds a lot of meaning for me. Uh, number four is Dismantle, Repair. I think that was on your list. And I, I could argue this as being the best Anne Berlin song. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievably good song. Uh, and then, of course, Finn, you mentioned as well. It's the best closing track to an album of all time, in my opinion. Um, I got to see them perform it live one time, and it was it was just unbelievable where it uh, kind of gets to that point in the song where he's just kind of just singing and, you know, it, it's, it's almost like a cry out for, you know, for someone to hear. And it's just a, it's such a powerful, painful, beautiful song. Uh, number two is glass to the arson from blueprints for the black market. Again, a lot of nostalgic feelings for, for that album and that song. It's just really fun to me. Used to sing it with my friends while driving around in the car uh, and then number one is Paper Thin Hymn. Uh, mm. That was on your list as well. And I also want to say that Paper Thin Hymn is one of my favorite music videos of all time. It's, it's such a great video. And if you haven't watched it, go watch it. If you're listening to this, go watch the video for Paper Thin Hymn because 13 years later, I still think it's one of the best music videos I've ever seen. So, yeah. And there actually, something about that song. I should really be higher on my list. I just kind of tried my best and, you know. But it should be higher on my list because... My, I don't think I've ever talked about this on, on anything. Um, I'm actually going to get into it more probably when I write about Copeland's um, You Are My Sunshine. But okay. my grandmother died of cancer. And this song was like super important to me during that time. Yeah. And once Amberlin ended, uh, Stephen Christian made, or the band, I don't really know exactly who it was, made a Tumblr account yep. called Amberlin Lyrics. And he went into literally every Amberlin song. And Paper Thin Him is written about one of his grandparents dying. And I, like, literally freaked out when I learned that. I was like, it was for me. Yeah. Right when I heard you say that, that's where I went in my head. That's that's pretty incredible. So, like, that whole time, it was, like, just the perfect song. And just from a sonic standpoint, it's just such a level up. Because, you know, as much as I love Blueprints for the Black Market, 
this was the first single they released. I put, believe it was they put it on pure volume. And I, I remember me and a couple friends were crowded around a computer with crappy speakers playing the song on pure volume and looking at each other like, holy crap, I cannot believe how how good this band is. Like they, they got like there's no sophomore slump happening here. Like this band right. is seriously getting better. Um, and yeah, it's a perfect, perfect but song. Yeah, about yeah. Fiend, actually, you say you heard them play it live. Yeah. Um, and they, that, like I said, that's what they closed with when I saw them um, for their, you know, first, last time. But he never did that, like, ad-libby part at the end. And I was oh. so disappointed because that's what I was waiting for. Like, yeah. that's my, I know it's like the end of the song, but it's been my favorite part of the song for the entire, like, entirety of the time that I've been obsessed with it. And I was so bummed that they didn't go into it. They yeah. The instrumental instead. Yeah, that makes, you know, I, yeah, that w- that would have been a bummer, I think, to not hear it. And I'm certainly glad that I, I did when I saw them. I imagine it's a pretty emotional thing. Um, I mean, you, you can't listen to that song and not obviously know, you know, just how Im- important that whole conversation is to Stephen Christian. And, yeah. you know, who knows what it's like to actually perform that live because that's just so personal. Um, but another all-time favorite Anne Berlin lyric and maybe an all-time favorite lyric in general for me in that song. I believe it's uh, we're not questioning God. There's just those he chose to carry on his cross. Something and that's that like strangely applicable lately. So yeah. Yeah. It's a great line. Cool. Well, we've ranked stuff. Um, and I just talking about Lowborn blows me away that it's been four years since this band has been gone. Like it doesn't seem possible that it's been that long. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this band's legacy and I feel like it's an interesting one. They certainly had their big crossover moment, just a a huge moment in terms of the popularity of feel good drag. And I feel like there's people that know Anne Berlin because they listen to the radio and loved feel good drag. And then there's all the hardcore Anne Berlin fans. So they kind of have this really interesting divide across their fan base. And I even remember a couple of times seeing them live where there were clearly people there just to hear them play feel good drag. Um, and then people that know every lyric to every Anne Berlin song. So it's fascinating when you look back at like what they accomplished, the kind of the, the fan base that they have. Um, but I feel like they were a really important band in kind of helping, I don't know, maybe that whole scene realized that there was a, an accessibility to be had while still being honest to your art. Um, because as much as we could, you know, criticize New Surrender for maybe not being as well written as some of their other albums. It's still a really great album and it's still very much Anne Berlin. They didn't really compromise anything as songwriters. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of bands that had a moment of popularity can't say. Um, so I, and I think they just kind of have a general respect and reverence uh, from other bands that kind of came from that time period. Or at least that's how it feels to me. I would agree with that. I mean, what are what are some of the things that you think about uh, when you think back on Anne Berlin and kind of the, the mark that they left? I mean, you can't release seven very good albums without having some influence somewhere. Like, even if it wasn't musically, like, the personal influence that a lot of those songs had on my life, like, some of the decisions I've made and, like, situations I've been in, are because of like the way that I was brought up with music. You know what I mean? So 
like I just I don't even know if it's musical I know a lot of friends who are totally into Amberlynn still and like still love them but it's almost in a nostalgic way but I still just have a very active relationship with the band and yeah. I feel like I hope I hope other people do too because then I won't feel so weird but I just think there's there's still important you know what I mean no question and yeah. I think another thing that kind of speaks to what this band accomplished is that, you know, I don't, I think blueprints is a, an album that kind of has a timestamp on it, but some of these like a, a cities, a vital, a dark as the way could come out today and still be well received. I mean, they're not uh, kind of a, a mark of the time period they came out in. They're just really good albums that even today would still be, I think revered as really good in 2018. So um, that's kind of an impressive thing, but also, you know, we talked about how we love all these albums. How many bands can go toe to toe with Anne Boleyn in terms of all of their albums being this good? I mean, the, the yeah. short list, you know, every band is bound to put out a bad album or a not great album. Uh, but Anne Boleyn, I feel like I, I would take them just in terms of the, the power of the overall catalog. I think you'd include Paramore in that conversation. Right. Certainly some other bands I can't think of on the spot, but Amberlynn is an album that doesn't have a bad album. And a lot of bands really can't say that, which is really impressive. Right. Like even the one that they, like you said, recorded to make the record label happy is still a good album. Yeah. You know, Definitely. like you may not like everything. I like new surrender more for the songs itself than even the whole album as in like, as in its entirety, because really in its entirety, it's not super strong. But like songs like Soft Skeletons and, you know, I don't know. There's just so, so much deeper meaning behind the lyrics that they almost, when they do think about like what they want to do with an album, it, it's an incredible masterpiece. But even when they don't really think about it, they still put the meaning and the thought behind it where you can still pick and choose from the album and say, yeah, this one's going to be important to me. And you can't tell me that bands, I, don't, I mean, I don't have any examples for you, haven't looked at, Amberlynn and their part in, you know, what, like the golden age of tooth and nail and all of these alternative record labels who are kind of in the past now, it's not quite so much of a thing, but like, haven't looked at those albums and that success and been like, maybe we could do that. And then they do, you know? So I just think it's the rate of success that Amberlynn had is probably just such an encouragement to other bands that, I think there are some bands that we probably wouldn't have if it wasn't for Amberlynn's like perseverance and persistence, even through all of the crap that they definitely went through. Cause yeah. I've heard some stories like the whole record label thing, that was a mess. But even the fact that they recorded their last album apart, I don't know if that's because they weren't super huge friend, like fans of each other anymore or just, you know, life happened. But even still to make that great of an, al- like an album from being on all four sides of the country yeah. is still an accomplishment. Yeah, no question. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that we didn't even get into is just kind of like Anne Berlin's story in, in terms of Tooth and Nail Records and how important that band was to that record label at a time when there were just, it seemed like every band that kind of came out of that label was a hit. Um, and certainly some of them had their moment, but Anne Berlin kind of stands as a, a band that was super important for that that label in that time period. So, um Man, so much to talk about. We're already 42 minutes in, 43 minutes in. I feel like we could go on. Um, But a a really cool conversation, a band that I know both of us really miss. Um, But excited to read your your article on New Surrender when it drops. 
Um, before we wrap up here, I, I meant to start with this. I always I get so excited about the topic that I just always dive right into it instead of remembering to talk about other things first. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is completely off the off topic from Anne Berlin. We mentioned Paramore earlier, and just for the sake of talking about things that are in the moment and in the in the news, as it were, uh, was. Uh, Paramore's announcement that they would no longer be playing Misery Business at their shows, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I thought was a really great move. Um, I think that it's definitely time. Um, and there's you know, certainly been conversation about that song for years. But the real conversation for me is kind of the, uh, the response from people and thinking through what it means for Paramore to not play Misery Business anymore. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Um, my first thought was, thank God I saw them in June. <laughs> Literally, like that was my first thought. Like, oh no, it's happening. I'm telling you, it's happening. Paramore is going to leave us, Kyle. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's written all over their faces. And listen, (laughs) that's fine for them. They've done such a good job, but boy, am I going to miss them. I'm going to miss them so much. But they deserve the best, and I love them. So, anyway, misery (laughs) business. I don't know why it had to be a conversation because, first of all, if they wrote the song, they've got the rights to it. They can play it whenever they want. Right. So, like, it shouldn't have been a conversation. But, I mean, even the fact that... Two points here. So, over the years, she started not singing the line that has the controversial lyric. Which, cool. It doesn't matter to me. I don't particularly care for the line or whatever. Right. But, like, just, I don't know. Taking it out of the set list seems like something final to me. And I feel like that's kind of what After After was... If you looked at how um, transparent Haley's been this whole album cycle, it kind of makes sense that she would want to start closing some chapters. You know, she's been through some really, really tough stuff lately um, with between all of really just everything between music and life and all of her relationships and stuff. And I think she deserves a break personally like i hope she went home that after art and friends which looked like a blast by the way (laughs) i hope she went home after art and friends and like took a really long nap and just because she deserves it all right she went so hard she didn't have to but she did she did that for us and that's why i think that it doesn't matter she made the decision for herself and i think that that's personally i think it's a great decision whether it was controversial or not because really we shouldn't be talking like that about other folks right I mean, it's not sure. the best thing that we could say, but something that like, like she said over the years, so many times, something that I write at 17 does not have the same weight either to myself or to other people now. And yeah. I just think that, I don't know why people were just getting so up in arms about it. People are like, oh, no more Ms. Biz. Like, no, like if they want to retire, they should. And I think that it was the right time to do that would have been at the end of this album cycle. Yeah, um, just because of like, I feel like it was a kind of a, it's a big chapter in the band's history. Yeah, so. I, I'm with you. And I, it's, I think what was most fascinating to me is that, you know, one, Haley has been raked over the coals for that song for years now, unfairly, I might add, um, for all the men- reasons you just mentioned. Right. But this idea that, you know, she has had to answer so many times for something she wrote when she was 17, yet how many bands in this scene have albums littered with misogynistic lyrics that Mm -hmm. continue to be sung without anyone really questioning why, Um, you know, I I think that's really the the real question is why uh, this was such a thing for Haley Williams yet so many other bands in the scene get a pass. 
Um, and, and there's, you know, we all kind of know what it is and who it is um, at this point. But I, I think that my hope is that this kind of like sets in motion. Hopefully it's kind of a wake up call for some other bands that like, Hey, you know, just because this song was popular for a time, you know, it's okay to like put things in the past and, and move forward. Um, and certainly that's what Haley and, and Paramore have chosen to do here, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think the, uh, the double standard, I guess, is what it, yeah. you know, has kind of been most bothersome, but certainly not a surprise knowing what we know, uh, of this scene, which is really frustrating and bums me out if I think about it too much. But, um, but yeah, I knew you would have some thoughts. Yeah, so I knew you would have some thoughts on that, and I appreciate yeah. you sharing on short notice. So, cool. All right, we talked about Amberlin and Paramore, so that's like you know your your favorite stuff. I was gonna say this is my dream podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey now, hey now, don't dream; it's over. Um, God, that was corny. I don't know why I did that. Um, Hillary, I forgive you. So that's the end of the podcast. Nadia's article on New Surrender is coming to itsalldead.com. Please come to our website and uh, check it out. Also, uh, fifth anniversary of It's All Dead is coming up, which is crazy. And we've got some fun stuff planned for that. Um, Cannot believe that is the case. I can't believe that Amberlin broke up one year into It's All Dead. And uh, now it's been five years since we started. That's crazy. But... Uh, thank you for being with us all that time, or even if this is just the first time listening. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, download our podcast, uh, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And of course, uh, please leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you suggest, uh, anything really. Just leave us a review on iTunes and uh, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, Nadia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's probably the last one for a while because you're getting married, but uh, that's really great. And I'm glad that you did this podcast. So thank you. I will tell Jeremiah, I have to podcast tonight, so we're going to have to carve out some time for it. Maybe he can (laughs) even join us. He has excellent opinions. Definitely. (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, that is going to do it for now. Um, This has been It's All Dead, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more. 